Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Thursday afternoon. Let me tell you the logistical stuff we got going on for this here pod on this here day. Joining us from Salt Lake City, where he he covered the Cavs 76ers game on Wednesday night, wrote three stories somehow overnight, slept an hour, took a crack of dawn flight out to Salt Lake City, then had to do uh, NBA Today, like a half hour outside of town, racing back to do this pod, is Tim Bontemps. And I have a couple Celtics press conferences and a sports center hit later. So we're we're off and rolling here at All-Star Weekend. Lot, lots happening. All right. So I've done get up the last two days, getting up at 445 local time. Uh, I'm actually going to have to pause this conversation in a few minutes. I got to go do PTI and then we'll come back. But this is one of our big straw poll podcasts. And then we have McMahon. McMahon is joining us. And I, and I say this with love. McMahon is joining us from Bermuda, where his wonderful wife, Maria, is allowing him on his all-star break vacation. But I guess you did, McMahon, have to get up early today to fly. So, you know, it's we'll give t- you some it, credit. It, it is a tough life. You've got PTI. I've got PTO. Bon <laughs> Timps is, is in Burr, Utah. I'm in Bermuda. <laughs> he was ready um, for I'm that. Glad, uh, he, he sat all day to think about it while he's lounging <laughs> in the sunshine. It's good for him. No, no, I, I've, I've only been here about an hour or so. <laughs> I know. It's a well-deserved break for you, buddy. Glad you're on he's, vacation. He's got dinner plans. Not banned from Bermuda. Uh, yet. 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 I've, I've only weekend. been here for an hour. Always <laughs> available, though. Always available, though. Hey, best best ability is availability. I, you know you know me. I'm going to show up for the pod. That's there right. you are. As often Thank as you'll you have much. me. You want to do it twice a week? I'm in. So, all right, we've got a big day today. The Bontemps, I call it the Bontemps poll. Uh, McMahon calls it something else. The BS poll. <laughs> the Bontemps, the Bontemps straw, straw poll. poll. That's I mean, right. Come on. That's right. Uh, I say mine, mine's much catchier. Um, all right. So, Bontemps, you did your uh, 100 voters, uh, 100 likely voters. You have a yep. fresh uh, uh, review of where the MVP race is. Let's have it. Yeah, I mean, by now, I think everybody's seen it who's listening. So we'll skip. How I, think do you, we'll... Well, I still think you should assume that. You should not assume that all of our listeners are also all right. well, avid just, readers. So let's, I, let's not I, assume that. All right. Honestly, you shouldn't assume they're all literate. <laughs> the Mc... I, I didn't the know we were insulting base. our listeners. That's great. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know we were doing that. All right, I'll rip through it then. Uh, I was trying to save us a couple minutes. All uh, right, well, you can save us a couple minutes. You know, it's our, through, like, well, well now, we, now that we've wasted a couple minutes doing this, right. we might as well do it. Uh, yes, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant each got one fifth place vote. We're tied for ninth. Donovan Mitchell got three fifth place votes, was in eighth. Shea Gills Alexander got four and was in seventh. John Morant got one fourth place vote and five fifth place votes, was in sixth. Then the top five guys, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Tedekupo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, and Luka Doncic were the most concentrated top five in any poll I've ever done. They were on the, they're on the vast majority many, of all ballots. Polls, how long have you been doing it now? What's your database? I think I've done 12 or 13 polls over six seasons. Okay. Uh, by the way, Bontemps just went... 10 to six and then one to five. <laughs> it was quite well, I wasn't, well, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to list through all the points at the top. I just was those five guys. Those five guys all were way ahead of everybody. Luka Doncic mm-hmm. was fifth, 218 points, one fifth, one first place vote. 
Jason Tatum fourth after being first last time, 410 total points. The last poll, the last poll was when was when Uh, mid mid December. Okay. Mid December -December. Tatum was in first. And even though the Celtics still have the best record in the NBA, he has gone to fourth. Yes. Jay, uh, Joel Embiid is third, 490 total points, six first place votes. Yas Tedekupo second, 552 total points, 11 first place votes. And the runaway leader, and now to me, very clear favorite to win a third straight MVP award is Nikola Jokic, who had 913 total points, 77 first place votes, one of the biggest leads we've seen in the poll, and obviously in commanding position to get another MVP award. So, so I'm was the surprised. Thing. Go ahead. Go ahead, Wendy. No, please. No, I was, I was, I'm surprised by just how commanding of a lead that Jokic has. And he got my first place vote. Um, but I'm surprised, one, that Embiid is third. Although, I mean, Giannis is having a great year. But I, I, I thought those two guys kind of separated themselves from the pack. So I was surprised that Embiid was third. And I was surprised that, that it wasn't a closer gap. Considering this voting's coming pretty soon after, and it, you know it's 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 one game in a full season, but it's coming pretty soon after. Embiid pretty much dominated uh, a head-to-head matchup, but I know it was PJ Tucker guarding Jokic in the second half. But whatever, Embiid had forty-seven and a, and a monster stat line outside of that in a win. So I really thought this would be closer. Uh, I did too. I voted for Giannis with my vote. Um, I think he's playing spectacular defense this year. Strong candidate to me for defensive player of the year. Nobody talks about him as much as they should. Um, I voted him a couple of times in years past. Um, he just it makes such a huge impact on that end of the floor. The Bucks are playing brilliantly. They're playing the Bulls tonight in Chicago. I don't know what will happen, but half of the Bulls roster is out and they're playing the second night of back to back. Uh, I like the Bucks' chances. We'll see Jinx and whatever of making it uh, 13 in a row going into the break. They're right on the Celtics' heels for the best record. Um, Giannis is putting up routine greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, obviously, if I'm Jokic getting first place votes, Bontemps, the guys after a triple double, they got the best record in the West. He's brilliant night in and night out. I, I'm not debating that. I'm just saying I'm really surprised that. We talked about before the season, and maybe it was just a flawed assumption that the standard for him to win that third MVP. I mean, the, the story that you that you wrote about this, your lead of the story is Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Larry Bird. Those are the three guys in history have won three straight MVP awards. Obviously, LeBron's won four, Jordan's won, I think, five or six. Um Abdul Green's won six, Jordan's won five, LeBron's won LeBron four. four. I think Magic and Moses, I think, have won four. Okay. Or they've won so three. Obviously, yeah. Right. It's rarefied I mean, air. Rarefied air. Right. It's, so we thought the standard for Jokic is going to be really high. And what this poll results is showing is that he's meeting that standard. That's mm-hmm. essentially what your story said. Yeah. I mean, look, before the season, you know, now people ask me about MVP every year, right? They know, like, sort of associate with this poll. And they're like, hey, does Jokic have it? What does Jokic have a chance to win a third MVP in a row? Or what does he have to do to win? And I just would sort of say, well, I think it's going to be hard, but he could lead Denver to the best record in the West or the best record in the league. And he could average a triple double. And if he does that, he's going to have a good chance to win. And that is exactly what has happened. Um, So I certainly think he has met the standard. I like you guys was surprised at the spread. I thought Joel would get more votes. I thought that Giannis would get more votes. Um, 
I, I'm not surprised that Jason Tatum is fourth. We talked about in the first straw poll, he had a very soft lead. They had the best record in the league. They had the greatest offense of all time. He was easily the dominant player on the team, and he didn't even have half the first place votes in that poll. It felt like somebody else was going to surpass him. I'm not surprised those three guys did. I am surprised that the gap is as big as it is. And I do think, you know, we talked about this a little bit the other day, Brian. I do think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Denver Nuggets and specifically on Nikola Jokic if this season goes the way it does as it as it stands right now and he wins this third MVP. They go in the playoffs with the best record in the West, him win another MVP award. There's going to be as much pressure on them as any team in recent memory because if they fall short, they lose in the first or second round of the playoffs or even if they, maybe if they lose in the conference finals, but certainly they lose in the first or second round. That's going to have some pretty massive ramifications, I think, going forward on Jokic's reputation and on where Denver sits going forward. Because all the, the all the stuff from the last couple of years about the supporting cast being banged up and Jokic playing great and having reasons why they lost early, those are all going to be out the window. And when you put him in that rarefied air with Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, and Bill Russell, he's got to back that up with success in the playoffs, particularly in a year when the Western Conference is nowhere near the level it's been in the past. Well, I thought it was interesting. When when the voting came out for the Eastern Conference starters, remember to vote the starters, the fans got 50%, the players voted, and the media voted. So three of these strong candidates, three of the top four, are in the Eastern Conference front court with Giannis, Tatum, and Embiid. And the media is the one who's going to vote for the MVP. So those, even though it was a few weeks ago, it's just it was an interesting light in the way the media is viewing them. And among those three guys, when it came to the media votes, um, Tatum got the most votes. Tatum was sort of one, uh, Embiid two, and Giannis three. Um, Well, the thing, again, the thing. I got that wrong. Uh, Giannis was two, Embiid was three. Embiid's been on tear since then. So is Giannis. Well, there's a couple things. There's a couple things about that vote. So obviously, I'd hear a lot about that vote because you know Daryl Morey went on the radio and said that you know the evil media kept you all from being the Easter Conference starter when really it was the fans in Philly not voting enough. But that being said, the re the, all four of those guys plus Kevin, those three guys plus Kevin Durant, they were all separated by I think ten or twelve votes total. It was like mm-hmm. sixty-eight to eighty-one or something. Might have been thirteen, somewhere around there. And all Durant, Giannis, and Embiid all were hurt within I think ten days of the vote for some period of time. And Tatum wasn't. And I think that was really the only difference at that yeah, point. The players the three of them. on the player voting, they ranked Giannis one, uh, Durant two. But for the for the sake of this, Giannis one. Embiid three and Tatum four. So the the media liked Tatum uh, more than the players, so to speak. Um, and so it's interesting now that just a month later, and, and McMahon, I think you're right. I think it's I think it's responding to how strong Embiid has been playing. He had another excellent game on Wednesday night to beat the Cavs, snap their uh, win streak, and really put him in their place uh, in fourth. Um, but he's been awesome in the last three weeks. He's now second in the league in scoring. Um, and but it's just interesting to me that it did look like the you know the media was attracted to the Tatum story. Uh, but look, uh, the Jokic thing is a mess of impressive. And you know, I, the my thing on Jokic is I'm trying to figure out how to value these guys because this is obviously a challenging vote. 
-hmm. Somebody's going to be third, fourth on these ballots when this is over that it could have won the MVP in other years. Partially, well, because- even fifth. Lucas, Lucas got a hell, hell of a case too. I agree. I mean, you know. Yeah, but but one of the things I'm looking at is playing both ends of the court. I know defense is right. completely not a factor now, but like Giannis doesn't seem to get credit for it, and and Jokic doesn't seem to get really penalized for it, even though I know he's better yeah. than he used to be. I, yeah, I was gonna say. I, I don't think it's fair to say Jokic is a bad defender. I, I, I think that's a perception that's not the reality. Is um, he a but, good defender? Uh, I would say that, and I'm, I'm double checking my my facts here as we speak. I'm just going to say the, the I don't think are, the Nuggets are significantly better with him on the floor defensively. Well, every- everything's better with him well why well again mcmahon again this is one of those things with plus minus the reason why they're better with him on the court is because your favorite player deandre jordan was stepping in and playing a lot of the minutes (laughs) behind him this season. okay the 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 nuggets defensive rating with him on the floor is 110.5 in today's nba that is good I right. understand. In, in today's they're a good NBA, team. That is they're a good. good team. They're a really good team. good team. I would also say he is not a good defensive player. If you want to say he's not the worst defensive player in the league, fine. He's not good. Well, and he's not the worst defensive player in the Nuggets starting lineup. Well, <laughs> well that's true. That's, and he's not that's, the second worst. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't feel, I don't like going in like sort of nitpicking on that, but I, I just think that in this case, when it's so hard to, differentiate them like in a year where we're seeing incredible stat you know stats in general that the triple double while very impressive it's not like it was when Westbrook did it but they're also 21 and 0 when he has a triple double that's hey man that is now I will say this that's a great point that's a great point I've always talked about how there's blatant stat chasing going on and and Jokic seems immune to that um (laughs) uh we, we have an exception he he <laughs> chased a triple double against the Mavericks on uh, on on Wednesday night. It was one of those. He had nine assists, and oh, Vlatko Chanchar, the one of the best Slovenian players in the NBA, um, missed three pointers <laughs> off the Jokic passes. Actually, I like Vlatko; he's become a pretty good role player. But he missed he missed threes off the Jokic passes on like two straight possessions, and then Jokic. I think he hit Bruce Brown, little cut dunk. And then grabs a rebound, timeout. He's coming out of the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, and Luca Luca had already checked out. So, my my whole thing of Jokic never chases stats, I can no longer make that claim. But we want to know with, first of all, 21 triple doubles is ridiculous. Averaging a triple double is ridiculous. Going 21 and 0 when he puts up a triple double. It's compelling. I agree. It's it's really compelling. And the he's field got a goal percentage for a guy who's, who's averaging a triple double. He's what I was it now 62, 63. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's having, it's, I mean, he's ha- his efficiency is off the charts. Yeah, it's he's having a tre- he's having a tremendous season. And that's the thing. All these guys deserve to win the award. That's the that's the rub of it. There's not it's not like it's this guy is not deserving or that guy is not right. that guy is not deserving or that like Jokic, you know, isn't a deserving winner. They're all deserving winners. You could make a case for all five of these guys at the top of the poll very easily. You know, they're all tremendous players. I do think, though, last year I ultimately voted for Giannis because he was the best player when it was mm-hmm. that close. I picked the best two way player and picked him to win. As of today, that would be my vote again. You look at the way Milwaukee season has played out. They have not been healthy basically the entire time. 
They have their, I think, a game behind Boston for the best record in the league. They've won they're, you know, they're on the verge of winning 12 in a row. Giannis is the best two-way player in the league by a pretty healthy amount, in my opinion, and is driving winning. You know, and again, you can look in a lot of different directions. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how this thing shakes out. But I am curious to see if there is a little bit of backlash to the size of the lead that Jokic yeah. has. I am very curious about that over the next six weeks because it was a surprise to me. And I think it was a surprise to a lot of people just anecdotally that I've talked to over the past 24 hours that he was this far ahead. And I'll be curious to see if, you know, especially if Milwaukee keeps racking up wins, they go on a hot streak for the next month. I think Giannis in particular is going to have a very interesting case to try to take him out. Yeah, I will say this. I think Philly has the hardest schedule left in the league. Yeah, they have a brutal Uh, schedule coming up. Brutal. And and the story that you wrote um, that published today, Embiid, his his foot is a real thing. Like he Mm -hmm. he was kind of grumbling about having to do the All-Star weekend just because he's been playing through it. He's been playing through it for weeks and playing great, but playing through it consistently for weeks now. Yeah, so that's a thing. Like you know, I, you you guys know how I feel about Embiid, I, I, and I voted for him last year. Um, my guess is that this is going to be a Giannis a Giannis Jokic showdown. I'm ooh, sure Embiid. Ooh, ooh, aggregate that, Wendy. I am off the Embiid bandwagon. There's your <laughs> there, headline. Yeah, thank you. All right, hold on. Thirty second time. I'd actually be the longer thirty second. Thirty seconds. I got to go talk to Tony and Mike. Just give me a second. Oh wow. Ooh, time for Tony and Mike. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Okay, I'm back through the magic of audio uh, engineering and editing. I'm back. Um, thank you for waiting. We're holding McMahon from his Bermudan spectacular evening he's got planned. So I appreciate that. Seriously, you ought to see what Bontemps has planned in Salt Lake City. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So we talked a little bit about Luca. They're five games in McMahon in the Kyrie experience, but they've only Luca and Kyrie have only played 58 minutes together. I think they're two and three since the trade. Kyrie didn't play on Wednesday night in Denver. Denver is now 27 and four on their home floor. <laughs> so um, yeah. good luck. You know, if uh, you know, goes through Denver, it's going to be advantage nuggets. Um I was looking at some numbers uh, in the 58 minutes that uh, Kyrie and Luca have played together. They've they're, they're the team has scored 146 points. That's pretty spectacular. That's uh, number one offense type territory. 
and they've given up 140. Um, so it's plus. It's plus. Yeah. What do you think of what you've seen so far there? Um, listen, it's obviously way too early to be jumping to any kind of conclusions. Um, I think the the biggest conclusion you can jump to is when Kyrie is available, the Mavs no longer fall off a cliff in the non-Luka minutes. And that was that has been their biggest problem. They have been, with Luka on the floor this season, scoring at a league-best clip. Before this trade, when Luka was off the floor, they were league-worst clip, right? That ain't happening anymore. Like Kyrie is fully capable of, oh, scoring 26 points in the fourth quarter with Lucas sitting out the first six minutes of that quarter and just absolutely dominating the game. Or, you know, leading the Mavericks to wins in, uh, you know, L.A. against the Clippers, win a win over the Kings in Sacramento, you know, two playoff teams where the Mavericks is funny. They didn't win a single game without Luka this season until that trade. Then they had the weird win in Utah where Kyrie hadn't joined the team yet. Uh, I think you had guys who had their bags packed and weren't quite sure where, you know, which plane they were jumping on on the Jazz uh, at that point. That was That's probably true. a factor there. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, really impressive wins over the Clippers and Kings. Look, the, the offense is not going to be an issue. And like they'll figure the the in the game things. It's tiny sample size. Luca took a step back that he admitted, "Hey, I should have gotten the ball to Kyrie there. He was cooking." Yeah, it's it not Luka a great shot. Time. Yeah, and he's hit. He's it's hit not often you shots. see Luca looking to pass in a last shot situation. <laughs> well, he does actually lead the league. I think he leads the league in clutch assists this year, but that's because he has the ball in his hands all the time. But and, and you know, it's his first game back. He was clearly gassed. Kyrie been cooking. Like Luca admitted after that game, "Hey." I should have gotten the ball. That's that's my bad, is what he said. And then the next game is like, you take it. No, you take it. No, you please. It's like they're being too nice. They're being too unselfish. And they end up coughing up a turnover uh, down three in the final seconds. Now, look, the reason they lost that, the only reason they had any chance in that game is Kyrie went bonkers, literally the highest scoring quarter of his career. They got down 26 to the Timberwolves because these guys can't stop a freaking nosebleed. Nope. Like this team's terrible defensively. Now, I have some good news. Maxi Kleba expects to be able to play after the All-Star break. Like, he expects to be able to come back, you know, when the break ends. Can they also clone him? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> they, they, yeah. He, they need, like, five of Maxi to exactly. go with those two guys. At least two. Jeez, at least well, two. Right, because they need 48 minutes of them. Right, um, and you got to manage his minutes under any circumstances, but especially coming back off of a torn hamstring and surgery. Um, but that will be a, a, a massive help. Um, you know, Josh Green, honestly, these last Been couple good. games, he's well, the last couple games he stunk, and I wonder if like all the minutes have kind of hit him. But he's probably the third best player now. And I would say remove probably. I think he's pretty clearly the third best player. And that is both a a testament to how much he has developed his progress this year and a criticism of the roster, right? Um, I don't I'm not gonna sit here and, and and tell you I think this team has enough to make a run through the Western Conference. What I will say is there it's gonna be really fun to watch. And then, you know, hey, we'll see what happens this summer. This might be a a blink and you miss it. 
uh, Kyrie stint in Dallas. And, you know, that's pretty clear. And by the way, Kyrie's saying he doesn't want to talk about that, that it's unwarranted distractions. He's well within his rights. Yeah, I mean, I he came out, he came to Dallas. You know, they started, when they did the trade, they were on a West Coast trip. Mm-hmm. So he, he had several games before he'd get there. So he came to Dallas, had his first, like, sort of big press conference and, like, asked the media, basically did not ask him about his future. Well, and, and, and it, I, we, we had asked him about that after his first practice. I, you know, I asked him about it, and he basically said, hey, no pressure. We're going to see how it goes. Neither side is, is pushing for an extension. It doesn't make sense for Kyrie right at this point because he could only do two years anyways. And, you know, this whole test drive thing for the Mavericks, whatever. Um, and then he was asked about it again the first time he met with the Dallas media at large. And look, he's he has said basically what he has to say is, hey, focused on this year, and then we'll see what happens this summer. Um, and it's not like he owes anybody any sort of a commitment. The Mavericks made this trade knowing there's not going to be any sort of a, an immediate commitment. And I actually respect him saying that because mm-hmm. if he had come out and said, oh, my God, I love my rental place here. I love uh, whatever. I want to be in Dallas for all time. None of us would have believed it because he has no credibility. So I, I yeah, think, I mean, I would um, say I could film another fun. Nike commercial, but that's not an option, but you know what I'm saying? Like this <laughs> exactly whole thing right. of, of trying to figure out where the, where his number is going to go. I'll say this. I do think his number will be up in the AAC rafters because, but that's because it was Jason Kidd's number when they won a championship. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was Jason Turn. Kidd's number. It was uh, Isaiah Thomas's number. It was Faku Campazo's number. There's been a lot of great point guards numbers in Mavericks history. <laughs> yeah, Jay Kidd wore five the first time, two the second time, but yeah. two's the three he had for the title. Wow, yeah. I didn't. I I guess I didn't think about that. Okay, um, so Bond Temps, here's my thought on the Mavericks. I think they've actually got a lot of potential. Um, they just don't have it with this roster, and so what they need to do is get a transaction cycle in this summer and see if they can tweak it. Um, You know, they still have two first round picks stuff they can trade. Um, They have some interesting players in the roster. I would not trade Josh Green unless it was for a bona fide number three star, but Jaden Harvey is an interest. Hardy is an interesting player. Mm -hmm. Um, They could potentially sign and trade Chris Wood. You know, I'm just saying they have, they have options this this summer, as long as Kyrie resigns, I was going to say if there's a, if there's value in a sign and trade, I think it's Kyrie's the one being signed and traded. Mm. Well, you know? I'm just going to say like I, you know they have Tim Hardaway that he has some value potential they could attach a pick to him and get something. I just don't think that they're going to be able to put their best foot forward, Bond Temps, with this team. I think they're going to need for it to work for them to give this a shot. I understand that they. That this is that they're not married to this, but I think that there needs to be some level of commitment to give this thing a real shot. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, they can't guard enough to win. I mean, McMahon just laid it out, right? I looked it up while he was talking. I mean, they're 20th in defense in the four or five games they've had since Kyrie started playing for their team. That's probably about where they should be. Like, hey, they don't have a, a, that's an That's an improvement over what they were before. Actually. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, they're a bottom 10 defensive team quite clearly. You know, the question is, are they 27th or are they 21st? But they're not. If they're somehow in the top half of the league with this group, then that's a huge credit to Jason Kidd and Sean Sweeney and their the scheming that they're doing with those guys because they they shouldn't be able to guard somebody. I don't I don't remember who said this, but somebody compared them to uh, the last few days to 
the what the Jazz have been the last couple of years without Rudy Gobert. And I think that's a pretty good comparison. Like they don't have any perimeter athleticism on the defensive end other than Josh Green, like the Jazz had Royce yeah. O'Neal. Reggie Bullock is still a good defender. He's okay, but they don't have they've they've got a lot of guys who are targets and they don't have Rudy Gobert behind them to back them up. So again, like you're asking a whole heck of a lot of Maxi Kleba, who is a terrific player, but is coming off a torn hamstring, like you said, that had surgery on it to make up for a lot of holes. So I agree, Brian. I think there is the potential in theory of putting something together around this group, but then you're talking about building long-term around Kyrie Irving, and that means your franchise is going to immolate in some form or fashion in the near future. It's just a matter of fact. So well, it's not a great so, situation either way. Kevin, Kevin Durant is right as we're doing this, is giving his introductory press conference in Phoenix. Our buddy Nick Friedel is there. Um, this is what he said about the this is what he said about the Kyrie trade request. He said it was tough to stomach. We were finally building a culture that we always wanted. I didn't know what was going on with Kyrie and his situation with the organization. So that's interesting that he just he didn't know. Uh, without him, we didn't have a clear identity. So, you know, it's interesting because it was unclear exactly how looped in Durant was. He's making it sound like he wasn't looped in. But that's who the Mavericks have to decide about. You know, it is just whether Kyrie wants to stay. It's about what the Mavericks but it, want it's to not, offer. Here's the thing. It might, it might not be the Mavericks' decision to make. Like, hey, if, if Kyrie says, you know what, I won a championship with LeBron James – I know he wants to play with me again. That sounds good to me. I'd love to go play for the Lakers. It might not be the Mavericks' decision to make. They and traded the Lakers, for a guy who's an unrestricted free agent in six months. Right, that's, and that, that's what they did with no assurances. And and again, if that's the way it plays out, I'm not going to criticize Kyrie Irving for that. He's under no obligation to to make a commitment no. to match right now. No, you're you're now, going to criticize the team that decided to invest in Kyrie Irving once again. Yeah, but I that, I know how know. this is going to go. the The way that you're going to be able to sway him is by offering more years, more money, more years. Well, that's listen, what he said. I'm up. just going to cut you off right there. The idea that you know what's going to sway this guy uh, fair. in, any, in fair. any form. Fair. Well, come fair. on, yeah. Right. But if you put right. and and look. The Mavericks gave it. It was it was Donnie Nelson, not Nico Harrison, but it was still Mark Cuban, and that's ultimately who makes the final decisions. He gave Kristaps Porzingis a five-year max contract with a player option. Do you think with, a, with, really, a, with an ACL? Yeah. Do you think they're really going to play hardball with Kyrie Irving? And, uh, and they can't. Jason? They can't. Af- they can't. Af- they can't afford to. They're pot committed. Whether they want yeah. to say they're not, they they are. They they right. you know we've talked about it a bunch. They had maybe one swing to make. Maybe they can find a way to manufacture a second one. But this was their swing. Their so second they're going to be swing, trying to keep them. Realistically, would be with with his sign and trade. You know, with his right. bird rights via sign and trade. I saw. Um, I saw. Can I interest Twitter, you in D'Angelo Russell? No, but there was another <laughs> guy on that Lakers roster that you can interest me in. And uh, well, now we're getting in the deep end of the pool. Let's just let's, be let's not even go there. Let's okay. not even go there right now. I'm just saying, I saw something on Twitter today. I've had a birdie mention that as a hey, just you know, no, 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 no. I don't enjoy your okay. vacation. Enjoy right. your vacation. I'm not gonna right. okay. The thing that you know, Bontemps has talked about is the, what you guys are dancing around here is the pressure that is now on the Mavericks organization. AD. Go on, it's almost uh, uh, it's almost he it's wants almost to, like someone he wants to get in trouble. 
he he's wants on vacation stirring stirring stuff up it's almost like <laughs> mcmahon is writing a book about the the pressures of uh, building around a star and, right. and so trying to make a big, it happen. Big pressure so. in Dallas. Uh, Cuban is playing luxury tax this year. They were already paying the tax. Right. Um, uh, but he added, what? how much was it, McMahon? A lot. I don't know. I'm on vacation. 28 million? <laughs> anyway. You can't do math in normal times, let alone today. There, there's a, I'm no mathematician either. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of money on, and pressure on the line. There's a lot of pressure on the line in Phoenix now, too. Like, you know, Chris Paul's Chris Paul's, uh, you know, is ticking in terms of what he's got left. They got, they got all those picks in there. Um, they got to make that work. You know, pff, I mean, I know that, you know, Steph and clay have years left, but I don't know what's going to happen with Draymond. I don't know what's going to happen with Bob Myers. They got, I mean, they went out and did the Gary Payton portion of the deal because they are trying like crazy to, to salvage it this year. They got a $370 million payroll when you include the tax. Um, yeah, and trading James Wiseman is a very clear sign that the whole two paths nonsense is out the window. Like they're they're trying to win now, which is what they needed to do. It was the right move to make. But, you know, again, talk about pressure. There's a lot of pressure there on a lot of fronts. Denver is paying the tax for the first time in 13 years, I think. Um, uh, you know, basically the reason they're in the tax is because they gave Michael Porter that max. Um but, you know, like if they have a disappointment, I don't know if the Cronkies are going to keep well, that on well, there. Well, and it's like we talked about at the beginning with Jokic, like there's a huge target on his back going into these playoffs because the last mm-hmm. couple of years, he's basically gotten a free pass and he's not going to be getting a free pass if they lose early. So there might not be a player in the league with more pressure on him to me to deliver in these playoffs, especially if he wins this MVP award than him. I don't I know about that. He he yeah. lives in a pretty pressure-free world. <laughs> I'm not so, saying I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying the I'm not saying pressure in terms of like he's gonna be thinking about it. I mean in terms of the outside opinion of him and how it's going to be shaped. I think there's there's no player to me that's got a bigger impact on that in this upcoming playoffs than Nikola Jokic if Denver is healthy. Because there's gonna be a whole lot of people who write him off if they lose in one of the first two rounds of the playoffs and say it's a travesty that he won MVP again and that these regular season stats don't matter and that it's it's not well, yeah. it's not how it should have gone. You're making a good point there. He's not winning the MVP in sixth place this time. That's not, no. I mean, where, where the postseason is, whatever happens is gravy. I, I agree. And I think what you're dancing around here is there's a, we've talked about how there's going to be an Eastern conference team that gets knocked out in the first round that's going to really have a, a bad season on its hand because either Philly, Milwaukee, or Boston is going home after round, round two. Yeah, second round. But yeah. but the but the but there's even less success, you know, there's even less opportunity for success in the West. Because we didn't talk about the Clippers yet. The right. Clippers are they've got a even a higher payroll. They're like a, you know yeah. something like well there's there's obviously massive pressure on them to win too. Obviously, and there's not enough success to go around. And at the deadline, Dallas pushed in more. Phoenix pushed in more. Um, Phoenix pushed in most. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, the thing about Phoenix, you know, I wrote the story with with Ramona Shelburne about the the way the trade went down. The last piece to agree to the, the part of the trade was Jay Crowder. The Phoenix didn't want to put Jay Crowder in the deal because they had an offer on the table from Milwaukee 
for five second round picks. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that those second round picks really mean anything. But my point is, is that Indiana went or, um, or Brooklyn went around and made the deal with Milwaukee for those five firsts, mm-hmm. five seconds. Although they offloaded, they have to pay Indiana a little bit to take them. But in, in a way, you could say that Durant cost four firsts, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and five second round picks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's what they, because they could have done that deal separately if they had just held on to Jay Crowder. And like, by the way, Bridges, it's going to be fun to see how good he is, how good yeah. he can be as the focal point of the team. Obviously, 45 last night. Uh, in the Nets win. I'm not wow. saying he's going to do that on a regular basis, but no, I but he's going to get choices. How good he is. Absolutely. He's going to get every opportunity to explore the studio space on that team. They don't have anybody that he's, he's clearly their best player. They're going to be letting him try to go. Jock Vaughn said the other day before his first game in at MSG against the Knicks that they saw how he played with Devin Booker out, did some stuff to Jock Vaughn. Didn't think he could do. They were going to keep trying to push him in that direction. Like you said, he's not scoring 45 every night, but they don't have a lot of guys who could score. Mikael Bridge is going to get every chance to prove he could be a 25-point-a-game well, player so for sure. So what Mikael Bridges did is he went from a corner player to a wing player. You know, mm. there are a couple of different ways you play. I mean, it's not pigeonholed, but you're either a defensive guy, a defensive specialist who then runs to the other side and stands over there in the corner to space the floor. That's what he's done most of his career, and he's been good at it. Well, this is his chance to prove he's Chris Middleton. That to me is what it is. Right. Can he level up to be that kind of player? And you know? and the difference between making forty million like Chris Middleton and making twenty million like Mikael Bridges is whether you're a corner three and D guy or you're a wing three and D guy, where they can throw you the ball and let you put it on the floor and you can get your own shot. Or they can set you a screen. You can create for right. the people. Bridges showed that while Booker mm-hmm. was out, and I I mean I think they do the deal for him anyway because even as a as a three and corner player he was really valuable but like i saw this a little bit in the playoffs last year yeah. i thought he had this and i didn't think he was going to be a 40 point score like that but um but yeah i mean and and by the way like if bridges goes on and becomes an all-star like the the phoenix will feel that like phoenix will feel that yeah. so i i do think but if they win a championship for- if they win a championship they'll right you know, it yeah, I mean that's the that's the business. bar. That's the bar for that trade. I mean that franchise has won a lot of games over a lot of years. They've never won a title, right? They've had a ton of great teams, made the finals multiple generations, right? Back in the seventies with Barkley, obviously a couple of years ago. The one thing they've never done is win a title. You make a trade like this to win a title. If you do, you get like you say, Brian. You win one championship. You don't have to say you're sorry. Trades a success. If they don't win a championship. Trade's probably going to be a failure. Like that's, you make a deal like that, you know, I know Zach was saying the other day on TV, it's not fair to hold that bar to people, but it's not about being fair. That's that's the reality of the situation. You make that trade. That's what you're trying to do. They've got new billboards on the outside of the footprint center in Phoenix. And it's four players, you know, Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre. Surprise is not Torrey Craig. (laughs) That's hardcore, right? That's what they're basically announcing. So we talked about how there's a possibility of maybe trades in the future in Dallas to set this up. We'll see. How, by the way, Aiton's had a couple of spectacular games yeah. the last few weeks. They're playing a lot better. They've won. Yeah, six the way, he was seven. playing great going into the trade deadline too. Speaking of Brooklyn, he had a massive game in Brooklyn to beat uh, to beat the Nets when um, uh, when Devin Booker was just coming back from his hamstring injury. Yeah, he had a couple of 35-15 games on that road mm-hmm. trip. So that's one thing I'll say about Phoenix. So obviously they got the. 
the major chips in the in the middle of this year. I'm not saying Devin Booker is um, going to be a bona fide All Star for the next eight years, but he is a player that people value, and his contract is not onerous. I know that the Suns didn't see him as a max player. Are you, you're, yeah, you, you're all over the place today. You said Devin Booker. You were talking about DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Okay. Just to, say, you're like Devin Booker, people. People Devin out Booker, of league don't know if Devin fan. Booker's going to be an All Star. It's like okay. <laughs> yeah. so, thank you for saving me there. <laughs> no, it's all thank good. I, I suspected that's what no. you're doing. Yeah. Thank you, DeAndre. Um, he's been. I don't want to say he's going to be a perennial All Star, but his his contract is not something the teams are afraid to take on. And that could be, you know, we'll see how this Suns rollout goes. But just because they've traded all their picks doesn't mean they've emptied what they can do. They still have some, some, some options ahead of them. Plus, I think after not paying the tax themselves for more than a decade, I think Matt Ishbia is going to pay the tax. And I think they're mm-hmm. going to be willing to spend more money and, and sign more free. They won't be able to go out and, you know, big game hunt, but they can add to that. So all that's going to play out uh, this spring. It should be interesting. All right. I don't want to hold... Hold on, hold on. I just do yeah. want to say something real quick. You talk about all the pressure on Joker, and I understand what you're saying. He's in a very similar situation that Giannis was the year that Giannis won it, uh, won the championship. Now, Giannis didn't end up winning his third MVP. His Bucks fans remind me, I, I talked about kind of the standard, the historic standard of a three-time MVP for a guy who'd never been to the finals. Um he didn't win the MVP, but he, he he won the championship that year where there was all the weight on his shoulders. So I get what you're saying about Joker. Chris Paul's got an immense amount of pressure on him. Like Chris Paul is 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 kind of uh, he's deeper into his career, but he's kind of at that you know that dirt before the 2011 run situation where it's like it's the one thing that he has never accomplished, and he has had some epic playoff flameouts. Um, as recently as last season. Now, he doesn't have to carry the team, but they need Chris Paul to be really damn good if they're going to make a championship run, and I do think that he's got as much pressure as anybody. All right, fair point. Uh, I do think Bob Temps has trivia before we go. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. I do have trivia ties into tie. Yeah. We had enough to talk about last week ties into uh, our final topic here. Joe Missoula, who uh, today, Thursday was named the permanent head coach of the Celtics 
uh, is obviously coaching this weekend here in Salt Lake City. Um, who was the last coach to go into the All-Star break as a rookie coach with the best record in the NBA? Steve Kerr. That is correct. Good there guess. are two other guys. There are two other guys who have done it in the past. I didn't. I, I gave you the easier version of the question. Do you have any idea who the other two are? Bill Jackson. No. No. Oz. Oh, good nope. guess. Good guess. Um. Pat Riley. Pat Riley is close. Ooh. I believe Pat Riley was on the coaching. Well, he wasn't on the coaching staff at the time. I don't believe, but I think it was, it was on the uh, broadcast crew. So it he was, was on uh, the broadcast crew. That's oh, right. Why am I blanking on the guy? What about name? Lawrence Frank? That's not Lawrence Frank. Uh, the, you were very close on the first answer. He's the How greatest executive the in the history of the sport. He was the coach. Oh, Red Arback. No. He's Jerry West, greatest. you say he's the greatest Jerry, executive? Jerry, well, uh, one of the greatest executives, you want okay, to say. I mean, Jerry fair. West is in the conversation. Sure. Okay. That's fair. Jerry West is one of them. And then the other one is on the franchise, a franchise we talked a bunch about. I actually mentioned the star Avery player Johnson. of the team. No, not Avery Johnson. Hmm. He was he did have some crazy record though. That's not a bad guess. He did have a yeah. they did it was a good guess. He had a great record. And they went to the finals his first Phoenix Phoenix Suns Phoenix Suns coach. Danny Ainge. Not Danny Ainge. The year Charles Barkley was Westfall. traded to the Suns. Paul Westfall Hot. is the answer. Paul Westfall. Rest in peace. Paul Westfall. 92-93. Yes. Very nice guy. But it does tee us up to talk about the Celtics here, I think, for a minute though. And this Missoula news, which was interesting today. Yeah, what do you think about that, Bob Temps? You're around him all the time. Um, I, I kind of get it. It's kind of a time where you would make an announcement like that, but why? 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 Why would why they, they do, do that? that? I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if it makes a difference. I, I think he was in a strong position even from when he got the job. Brad Stevens really had a great affinity for him, but why now? I think I think a lot of it is just timing, right? I mean, this is something, you know, Look, the, the Celtics didn't have Joe Missoula, didn't let Joe Missoula leave to come be with Will Hardy here in Utah last summer. They didn't leave him, let him leave the prior summer when he may took over. You know, he's clearly a guy they've been very high on. I think he was going to have, I, from the moment he got the job back in September, I thought it was going to be a pretty high bar for him not to be in the job long term. That being said, you get to the all-star break, you have the best record in the league. I think it's just sort of a neat and tidy time to put him in the job and say, we're not going to, you know, we don't, we're not going to get to the end of the season and deal with the playoffs and how it goes. And, you know, let's say the Celtics lose in the second round. Do you have some debate about whether you keep the guy or not? You know, I think it just, I could argue you did this two months ago and just get it over with then. But I think it, I think it is a sign certainly of the job Joe has done and the, the, the stability that the Celtics feel like they have. And even though they lost that game on Tuesday to the Bucs, I mean, you look at their team, they feel really well aligned across the board. Missoula and Jason Tatum obviously have a very good relationship. They've got the deepest roster, I think, in the NBA. They've been playing great. And, it, you know, it certainly sets up to me for, you know, we were talking a lot earlier about Giannis. To me, it's the Celtics, Bucks, and everybody else, both in the East oh, and in the league. Oh, wow. You're putting the Sixers right in the everybody else category, huh? I need to see the Sixers do it first before I could put them in that category. We have seen this team fall flat too many times in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You personally, McMahon, have seen James Harden fall flat many times in the playoffs. They are a really good team. They've played really well. I think they're 26 and seven, their last 33 games. They've been on a great 
run over the past couple of months. Joel's playing as well as anybody on the planet, but Milwaukee has won a championship. Boston has been to the finals. Those teams have been to the conference finals over and over again. Philly's got to beat one of those teams to get to the conference finals before I could put them in that yeah, same class. Fair. And as far and as listen, these Western conference uh, teams, I don't think any of them are close to the Eastern conference teams. Uh, well, let's see how the suns look. Let's just see how the suns look. Uh, Cause I think they're going to be very difficult to stop uh, if they're, if they're healthy, Joel's health is, I mean, you're right about Harden. It's a very fair statement. Joel's health is everything. Joel's yeah. got to be, got to be, you know, and he's, I don't, I mean, his comments to you on the record were pretty significant. They were worrisome about his foot. I mean, his, well, it's, I mean, he's been dealing with it to, to back up a little bit. So Joel is not sure if he's going to be able to play in the Austin game on Sunday. He's been dealing with this left foot soreness for weeks. He's been questionable for every game. He's ruled into play a half an hour before the game. He's clearly bothering him after the game. He and I have talked about it a bunch, but he, he's been playing every game. He's been leading these guys to win after win. He's been playing great. And the thing he has told me over and over and over again over the past few months is he wants to get through one postseason without some freak injury getting <laughs> ran into his face having you know getting hit with an elbow by pascal last year he had that weird a, landing in uh in washington where he hurt his knee he had that he got his thumb caught on a jersey like he's just had all this weird crap happen to him in the playoffs and to your point all he wants is to have one run through the playoffs this year with a team he thinks is good enough where he's healthy and there's no freak issues and i think if that happens and Philly gets where they want to go, things will be good. If that happens and they lose in the second round, you know, again, you talk about pressure, you know, these Easter conference teams, there's going to be pressure on them if they don't get where they want to go. And like you said, at least one of them is not going to get as far as the conference finals and all three of them want to win a tie. All right, McMahon, it's time for a Mai Tai. Bontemps, enjoy all-star weekend. Thank you to Jackson and Bruce, our producers. Uh, we'll be talking to you. Hope everybody has a good uh, holiday weekend. Uh, we'll be talking to you next week. Adios, amigos.